On today's episode of The Fifth Line, we begin our 2019-2020 NHL season preview. During this episode, we will give our preseason predictions for this season's NHL award winners. We'll also talk about the Senators defenseman Thomas Shabbat's new contract, Dan Girardi's retirement, and finish with another segment of Red Lines. You're tuned in to The Fifth Line. Welcome back to another episode of The Fifth Line. My name is Nick Berlansky, and you can listen to episodes of The Fifth Line on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, just by searching The Fifth Line. This is going to be part one of our two-part NHL season preview for the 2019-2020 NHL season. It's going to take a second for me to get used to saying 2020. Woo! Oh, jeez. Yeah, you're right. We're getting old. Yeah, we're getting real old. That man you heard, his name is Nick Horwat. He's here with me every week. He's my other half on this podcast. How are you doing this week, Nick? Doing better. We're going to get through this one. Yeah. Like like we have been usually. I don't work a lot this week, so yeah, let's get it going. Yeah, lucky you. I work every day this week. Well, you got two jobs now. so. Well, I mean, I work every day this week with one job. There you go. So uh, if you're hearing me more clearly, that's because I actually got a new mic. That's pretty nice. Now me, me and Horwath have matching mics, except mine's blue and yours is black. Don't know what that means. Plus, you added your filter onto yours, though. So, I did. The old one. Yeah, it, it's fancy. It has like a, I don't know, looks weird. But this is part one, like I said, of our two-part NHL season <laughs> preview. Part two will be next week and include our first ever power rankings, a storylines to watch for the 2019-2020 season, and another installment of who's in and who's out. That was a famous one when we were doing our division previews. So tune in next week for that. It should be dropping before puck drop on Wednesday. We have to figure out, obviously, when we, we each work so mm-hmm. when we can record. We're hoping that we can get it out before puck drop, obviously. But if not, you know, there will be a little bit of cheating in our in our rankings. Yep, but that's the way it's going to have to be. I don't know my stuff right now, but we will figure it out soon. We will have everything put together in the near future. So just be ready and on the lookout. We're just going to jump into this. Yeah, uh, we have a couple bit, a little bit of news and notes, but before that, our preview is going to be basically overall league preview. We're not going to go team by team. If you want any of that stuff, episodes two through four ah. of our of the fifth line, two through four goes through each division, basically touches on each team individually on what we think is going to happen. That was our July episodes. So if you want to see our team-by-team predictions for each team and what we think about those teams going into the year, go back and listen to episodes two through four. Otherwise, enjoy this season preview, which is just a real big overview of the season. But like I said, and like Horwath said, we're going to get started with some news and notes. Thomas Shabbat for the Ottawa Senators signs an eight-year extension, $8 million a year. That's after just two seasons in the NHL. Two very good seasons, though. Or one very good season and the season prior, I, I don't know exactly what he did, but yeah. That's... He was, I mean, he was on that Ottawa team that was pretty bad. And it's... last year he was on that Ottawa team that was also pretty bad. Pretty bad. But uh, last but... year he played 70 games, scored 55 points. So pretty good among NHL defensemen. He's ranked eighth highest in points, I believe, is what I saw. So a pretty decent season last year. My opinion is just two years in this league, and you're going to give him the 8x8 eight eight already? It, whenever it happens, it will be the biggest contract on the team, which is shocking because it's not going to be Bobby Ryan's anymore. But oh, that's so good for them. 
I mean, now they're just paying two people over seven mil- over seven million dollars. But yeah, but at least Thomas Shabbat should be worth it. Yeah, should it should pan out to be a pretty good deal for him and the team. Bobby Ryan's contract will be up soon, so that's something they can look forward to going forward. Though they're the players that they have sticking around past the next couple of years are only Colin White. Thomas Shabbat, obviously, and Nikita Zaitsev. Everyone else is going to be up in the next couple of seasons, and that's something to keep an eye out for them. The pick of Armin Isimov, though, should be beneficial in a way. <laughs> He'll be able to pr- provide some of their some offense for him, but they were the worst defensive team in the league last year. Second worst. No, no they were actually pretty half-decent. I think, if I remember defensively, it was either them or the Red Wings that were the worst defensive team. But the Senators struggled to score. And then they got yeah. rid of Matt Duchesne. They got rid of Mark Stone, who's going to be one of the premier wingers in the league this year for Vegas. You see guys like Duclair that might be able to make up for it, but it's really just going to be Colin White, Kachuk, and Thomas Shabbat. That's the core that these guys are going to have to try to build around. Yeah, and it totally is. I mean, I'm not saying Nismoff is going to be around for the long haul, but I think he'll provide a little, a little step up for the young kids and Ron Hainsey that they have. It's a good contract overall for the team, though. He had 55 points, or 55 points. How many points did he have last year? Was I right on that? Yeah, I was he right, 55. 55. He had 25 the year prior in 63 games. I didn't realize he played 63 games uh, the year prior. But when you're the Ottawa Senators and it's not uh, the year 2017, you don't have much to look up to. So that's probably, he was probably just forgotten in the mix. But so far, a respectable career, and he's got probably the brightest future on the team so it was the money he was gonna get and i just looked ahead they the senators should be stacked in the future should be they have one two three four five picks five draft picks in the first two rounds next year that's that's insane that's crazy <laughs> two in the two uh first round picks and three second round picks in the in the, the year after in the 2021 draft they also have four in the first two rounds which include a single first round and three second rounders. So going forward, if they can just draft well, this could be a scary team in the next four, five, six years. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously in rebuild mode. They're going to probably finish last or in the bottom five of the NHL this year. So those picks is going to be what they're really going to need. My, my only thing with this contract is the kid played two years in the NHL, and your team was one of the worst in those two years. I get that he played well. But I feel like eight years, $8 million for a defenseman that early, just I get the kids are getting paid more, but that just seems like a lot. Yeah, no, I can see that. It is a lot for a very early thing. But maybe they just did this also to avoid the whole RFA saga that we saw this year again. Like we saw last week, uh, Clayton Keller getting signed. Maybe it was just Shabbat, Shabbat's turn. I can't think of any other big names that are going to be up in the next offseason, but it doesn't the way it's going, it doesn't look like it should be as dramatic as it was this offseason. Well, you did mention the RFAs, and one of the RFAs signed earlier today, actually, in fact. Tampa Bay Lightning RFA Braden Point signs a three-year deal worth, oh, I forgot to put down the money amount. It's have, like $6 million. It's around $6 million. I, I thought guess. it was 6750 That might be it. I meant to write it down for some reason. I just didn't. But... Braden Point is signed. Also uh, another RFA. We're going to talk more about Point, but RFA 
from the Rangers, Anthony D'Angelo signed a one-year contract, nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. So that leaves six. There's six more. We're about a week left into the season, so we won't talk more about the RFAs other than Braden Point. What did you think about the deal? It saved my fantasy team for one. Number two, it, they made the deal for the sheer fact of they kind of had to. It was weird that it came across so quickly. There was no hey talks are heating up kind of news. It was it went from there's nothing really set in stone yet or like the one headline i saw was like braden points camp and the lightning are far apart in in negotiations to hey we have a contract done i don't know if i just missed the whole there's stuff being talked about or what but that settled he will be an rfa again though at the end of this contract yep wow so but i mean it'll be a different lightning team then i'm sure Oh, yeah, some but, of those contracts won't be there anymore. Yeah, so going forward, um, they should be good. They should be pretty well set with contract stuff. Not too many UFAs of note that they will probably want to bring back after this after the set season. But their RFAs, they have five coming up. Yeah, they have five RFAs coming up, so that'll be something to look out for. A few of their forwards... Matthew Joseph and Anthony Sorelli will probably be getting a sizable paycheck. Not saying large, large, but uh, something to take up space. So they're set for now, but it might, hopefully it just doesn't come back to bite them. I'm sure that's what they're hoping for. 675, though, for Braden Point is a good number. Is that what, I forget what we said on it. Uh, I don't remember what we specifically said, but they did get him for 675. This seems like a bridge deal, especially with the three oh, yeah. year hit and especially with him being an RFA at the end of it. So it seems like they came to a real quick conclusion that they want him to play, and that makes sense. But as you said about not a lot of things being said and they just signed him out of the blue, I feel like that's the same with a lot of these RF- excuse me, a lot of these RFAs except for Mitch Marner. Mm-hmm. Mitch Marner's was the one that was microscopic details getting out everywhere. And then I feel like every other RFA, except for the Winnipeg ones now, a yeah. lot of people are saying the Winnipeg RFAs are far, far away from signing their deals, which is not good for Winnipeg. And, and that'll we'll see talk more about that next week when we talk about our power rankings coming into the season. But I feel like for this and for most of the RFA talks, it really is just, it happens. Nobody's really paying attention to the numbers, except for when it's somebody like Mitch Marner. Yeah, 100%. In fact, the Jets are now, they have a roster size of 19 at the moment and are currently under the cap floor without their... Or without Bufflin. Oh, yeah, that's right, because Bufflin's considering his future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got technically, I think he's getting suspended by the team. He's suspended by the team, which I think is a weird thing to do. For not showing up. Yeah. But you already put him on leave. Exactly. That's what I was not understanding. It's like, it's one thing to suspend him for not showing up. But he said, hey, I'm considering my future. So there's no reason why he should be, quote, suspended by his by his team. But... It's the way they are running with it. He is currently, his status on cap friendly is suspended without pay. Yeah, so. that's why they did it, so they could get his cap hit at the beginning of the season and start being able to move stuff around in case he does decide to leave. It doesn't hurt them as much. Yeah. So it makes sense from that uh, point. By the way, last week, a little a little fact that we were talking about last week, you said that you couldn't think of any other agents that... Who's Marner's agent again? Darren Ferris. Darren Ferris. I was thinking Ferris, but I couldn't think of his first name. Any other agents besides Taylor Hall, but he does have two young, talented stars that might 
have this happen to them. Morgan Frost from the Philadelphia Flyers and Philip Zadina from the Detroit Red Wings. That's right. So there's just a little quick yeah, quick stat and stuff in there. So Ferris still has those two guys, too, who are I coming mean, up through the systems. They better really prove themselves this year if they want to make Mitch Marner money. That's very true. I'm not saying they're <laughs> going to make Mitch Marner money, but they are Darren Ferris' clients, in fact. Yeah. We were talking about the Lightning a little bit. A Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman slash New York Rangers defenseman retired. His name is Dan Girardi. After 13 seasons, he played with, like I said, both the Rangers and the Lightning. 927 games, 56 goals, 264 points. So congratulations to him on a great career. Thinking back to any time I thought about Dan Girardi being really good, it was when he was with the Rangers. The Rangers, yeah. Those mid or early to mid 2010s is when i think he was playing really well he was a shutdown defenseman for them big physical guy and i just feel like the game sped up a little bit too much for him especially down there in tampa bay where they they really would like to focus on big puck moving defensemen and that's just not his style no it's not he was not much of a speed guy but dan girardi was the guy was the guy that got it done when you needed it when you needed it to get done Good all-around player for a defenseman. Was just a kind of a thorn in the Penguins' side for a couple years, I feel like, whenever he was with the Rangers. Didn't make as much noise with Tampa, but kind of hard to make noise when that's your team. Yeah, especially with how good some of the defensemen are on that team with Hedman and Sergachev now. So, still congratulations to him on a fantastic career. And, and I think, unless you have anything else, that does it for our news and notes segment this week. Uh, believe that's about it i think yeah i think that's it so we'll move right along to what we're gonna do and we didn't do last year because obviously we weren't a podcast at that point but we're gonna give out the preseason player of the year award every year there's usually one player sometimes it's a player that's really good in the preseason and does nothing in the regular season for example last year's if we were to give it out i would have given it to ty ratty yep so we're on the same page ty ratty in edmonton and he did absolutely nothing in the regular season but this year my preseason player of the year award goes to a player who I think is going to have a fantastic regular season. My preseason player of the year is Jack Hughes from the New Jersey Devils. Okay. He has three goals, one assist, and one game-winning goal in overtime. And overall, he's played extremely well for the Devils. Like we both said before this, we haven't really watched a lot of preseason hockey, but what I, from what I've seen, Jack Hughes is already playing at a really high level, especially on a line with Gusev. That's. I mean, I've seen zero preseason hockey outside of the one preseason Penguin game I went to, so I know nothing. I know that I've heard his name bounced around a little bit for being the f- first overall. Yes. Why did I? Bl- why did I think you was something else? For being the first overall pick. Yes, it's good that you're that he's making the noise he is. You just really gotta hope it stays too. If I had to say someone, I know it's it's just gonna come from the one game I saw. But the Penguins, Nathan Lagare, and that's how you say the name, got to get used to that, um, who they just sent back to the QMJHL. But Before we took a break, we were talking about Nathan Lagare and the Pittsburgh Penguins for of him as Horwath's preseason player of the year. Go ahead and pick up with where you were talking about. We just had to make a brief... brief uh, technical difficulties. Technical, yeah. Some technical um, difficulties, a little scratchiness. Uh, yeah. What kind of did it for me was that he wasn't the pick, the draft pick that everyone in Pittsburgh was looking, was keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. I think I was, we were all mostly watching our first first round pick we've had in a while, uh, Nathan Poulian. Sam Poulian. Sam Poulian. Yeah. Nathan Lagare, Sam Poulian. Okay. 
But him and uh, Larmy, the goalie that we picked up from Finland, I believe. But what had happened with Nathan Lagare was scores two goals in his preseason debut, if not his debut, his second game. And it was the, his, uh, yeah. And then the very next day signs his entry-level contract. So people were excited about that. People are now going to be keeping an eye on him and his development and coming up through, through the ranks again. Um, and honestly, good for him. He was a beast out there for that in that game. Um, obviously, he's going to get sent back, but that's just the way the Penguins roll. We like to develop our guys correctly, and I can't fault them on that. So having him in our system for the next three years, obviously, as a start is great. He will probably become a big name if he can continue the way he's looked. Yeah, I feel like that three-year ELC for him is the first year he's going to spend the majority of it, if not all of it, down in the queue where he was drafted from. Maybe at the end of the year he comes up and play for Wilkes-Barre a little bit, and then next year will be the year that we'll have to see his his progression in the AHL or the ECHL, depending on how good he does this year in the queue. But yeah, no, that's really good insight. I, I didn't get to see that game, but I saw some of the highlights, and definitely he, he had a pretty good shot there, especially as an 18-year-old knowing where to go in the middle of the ice finding the soft spots and putting in the puck in the back of the net. So that was pretty good. I, I enjoyed watching that. Yeah, That and other Penguin news, we Rutherford said the backup spot was not completely set in stone. It is not, no. But then they go on to not play Larmy for any preseason games, and now, you're, now you send them immediately back down to the AHL, giving you three goalies. Matt Murray obviously is going to be your starter, but DeSmith and Jari, both of which would have to go through Waivers. Waivers, if they want to send them down. I feel like they wanted there to be a goaltending battle, then they just didn't put it into place. There is. It's between DeSmith and but Jari. Now it's just between DeSmith and Jari, which I... That was who it was going to be between anyway. I don't think Larmy ever had a chance to be the backup I feel this like, season. I feel like he could have at least had a chance to be a starter in the AHL, because I think we're still shopping Jari, for what it's worth. Yeah, I but, think Rutherford's still looking to make a move anyway. But it's all about being cap compliant. If he can't make a move, I think he's going to have Jari up here just because he has a lower cap, cap number. Yeah. And if Casey DeSmith has to get sent through waivers, I feel like Casey DeSmith will be gone, and then Larmy will get the starting job in the AHL. Yeah. Regardless, I just was expecting a little more. I also wanted to see him play, but yeah, for what it's for what it is, it's a good move apparently he played really well in his uh rookie camp prospect camp all that so he'll definitely and he'll definitely be getting time in the ahl i don't think alex DeOrio did enough to really pick himself up other than being the backup down there what's good about that is though that we have a great goaltending we have we have great goaltending depth at the moment so i can't yeah. be too mad at it yeah so if you lose one of the smith or jury you do have some guys behind them that have the chance to develop into, at the very least, a good backup for Matt Murray. At the most, somebody who might take over for Matt Murray. Who knows? Right. But I feel like that does it for our preseason segment. Let's move into the awards. We were just talking about young goaltenders. We were talking about rookies. We are talking about preseason players who were young. Let's go straight into the Calder Trophy. I think it's going to be pretty close. I think there's a lot of people that could be up for it. People are saying Quinn Hughes could be up for it. When's the last time a defenseman has won the Calder Trophy? It's been a while. I think it's going to be between Kako and Jack Hughes. I think that's pretty obvious. Most likely it will be. It's usually the way it goes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to quickly find the last... Defenseman? Not the last defenseman, but just the last uh, Calder Trophy winners that we've had. 
Pedersen was last year. I know that much. And then the year before that, I do not know. What was so, the year before that? The year before Pedersen? I don't know. Who like, what him. was the year number? Oh, uh, 2018. 2017-18. Oh, Matthews, wasn't it? Here we go. We have no, Elias Patterson, Matthew Barzal, Austin Matthews, Artemi Panarin, Aaron Ekblad would have been your last defenseman. Aaron Ekblad in 2015. Yes. Right? So I knew it wasn't okay. so that it, far back. But Yeah, but it was still a couple years back. I, I still think that Jack Hughes is the far and away, going to end up being the far and away Calder Trophy. I, I think Kako will put in a good performance, but you look at the way Nikita Gusev and Jack Hughes have played together already. You look at the players that are on that team already with Taylor Hall. They're not asking... Jack Hughes to come in and be the number one right away, and I think that's going to help him out a lot. I feel like with Kako, while they do have Panarin, they're going to ask him to be a lot in a lot bigger of a role than they were going to ask of Hughes. You look at players like Heeshear who didn't have to step in and make a ma- massive role, and and just how much better of a player Hughes is than Heeshear, I think he's going to be able to put up a lot more points because of who he's playing with, and he's going to have a much better season and probably look a lot better on a team that might get to the playoffs, which as we know, always helps with these postseason awards. Yeah. If Kako does pull it off and gets the Rookie of the Year, that would make them one of three teams that would have more than one Rookie of the Year on their squad. Can you name the other two? The other two teams that have two Rookie of the Years? Yeah. Oh, I highly doubt it. Two teams that have two Rookie of the Years. Probably the Chicago Blackhawks. No. No. If, if Panarin would have stayed, yes. But we okay. just talked about the one, the Florida Panthers, with Ekblad and Huberdeau. Oh, okay. Um, and the other one is the Colorado Avalanche with Landis Gog and McKinnon. Actually, the Avalanche and Panthers just flip-flopped back and forth for four years. It was oh, Landis okay. Gog was... in 12, Huberdeau 13, McKinnon 14, Ekblad 15. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. Good but you know. Artemi Panarin being on the Rangers now, if Kaku was to get it, there it is. But... I feel like it could go either way because, yeah, Kako's on a team that doesn't have as much of a deep lineup that the that the Devils have. But say he's the reason why the Rangers do anything. You know, a lot of the – it's hockey writers that vote on this stuff, so they could all take good looks at that and realize he's kind of the reason why the Rangers have been a powerhouse if they become one. And that might slip slip a lot of hands in the hockey writer community, so – I could see it going either way, mostly. Okay. And then let's move from that to another one that I think will be a very close race. The Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy given to the player that scores the most goals. I'm going to say Dreisaitl will be in the top three because of the two players that were above 50 goals last year, Leon Dreisaitl and Alex Ovechkin, I think both of them will be in the top three. I think Ovechkin ends up winning this again this year. But okay. I think the other person in the top three is going to be Austin Matthews, and I think Ovechkin barely beats out Austin Matthews. This is all hinging upon Matthews having a healthy season. And, and with my picks, a lot of it's going to hinge upon Austin Matthews being healthy this season. But I think for the Rocket Richard, I'm going to have to go with Alex Ovechkin. I mean, how can you not go with the grade eight for goal scoring? Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. When's the last time he didn't get it? He didn't get it? Yeah. Uh, it was... Didn't Line A beat him out two years ago? Oh, no. Actually, is that right? Am I on the right trophy? Yes, I am. Sidney Crosby? Excuse In 2017? Me. No, that's not right. What the fuck am I on? What am I on? 
Uh, definitely not the Rocket Richard Trophy winners because Sidney Crosby hasn't won the Rocket really for a long time, as far as I remember. Here, I'll uh, I'll go to it. Alex Ovechkin, Alex Ovechkin. It does say Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Then Alex Ovechkin another five times. Are you on Wikipedia? I'm on Hockey Reference. <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> Uh, 2016, 2017, apparently. So the last time he hasn't, he didn't lose was to Sidney Crosby in 2016, 2017. Why do I vaguely remember this, but also don't remember this at all? I don't remember this at all. This is great content we're getting. Hold this on. This is fantastic. We know absolutely nothing about the Penguins, and we're from Pittsburgh. So yeah, I guess Sidney Crosby is the last person to win it in uh, with 44 goals in 2016, 17. Other than that, Alex Ovechkin has won it every other year. So that's why I'm going with Alex Ovechkin. I'm going to just keep digging for just one moment, and then I will come back to you. You said you're on Hockey Reference? I was on Hockey Reference. All right, well, then. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, um, it's still hard to go against um, Sidney Crosby, obviously, because or, Alex, Alex Ovechkin, because he's had it pretty much every year, <laughs> except for one that we didn't know about. Yeah, that we completely forgot about somehow. But, yeah, I would have to go with Ovechkin as well. As for coming in second and third, I'm you not, don't have to give a second. And I'm third. just gonna. I just did that. I'm just gonna quickly come up with names. I'm not gonna say Matthews because that's that too much hinges on that one. I would have to throw Kucherov back up there again for just if if the Tampa Bay Lightning can continue with all of that, and maybe McDavid if he can pull through finally and score goals rather than let Drysaddle do it. <laughs> What am I saying, McDavid? Pull through. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. If he starts to shoot the puck instead of pass the puck every time. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. So your yours is Ovechkin, too? So we both want Ovechkin, and we both want Hughes? Yeah. Well, so this far, is, yeah. This is getting real fun. Let's try to do something that we might be different on. Norris Trophy winner, given to the best defenseman. Let's be honest, the best scoring defenseman yeah. in the NHL. There's a lot of people that could be up for it. There's always the Victor Hedmans. The Eric Carlson's, the Brent Burns, they're all, they always seem to be in this. and it's Like that and the Vezina, there's always the same names. And it's just a matter of what team they play on that year. So I think those three guys are very good and should probably put up seasons that will be Norris Trophy, you know. Caliber seasons. Caliber seasons, thank you. John Klingberg, I think, is also going to have a fantastic season. I don't think he's going to win it because I think Roman Yossi is going to be able to win the Norris this year. <laughs> What's so funny fair about enough. that? Roman Yossi, fair enough. Roman Yossi is the captain of the Nashville Predators, and I think with Subban leaving, all of the attention goes on to Roman Yossi, and I think he's the type of person to be able to handle that and to be able to continue being the shutdown defenseman and get the accolades that he deserves this season. We saw Mark Giordano win it last year. He finally got the accolades, and I think it's Roman Yossi's turn this year to win the Norris Trophy. Yeah, I mean... That makes total sense because Nashville has always been the pretty much the deepest defense the defense in the league. And by deep, I mean every all three lines had a had a skilled player and a name you've heard of before and is a great defenseman. Yossi being up for it, I could totally see. Giordano kind of stole it last year. I don't see him coming back for another phenomenal year the way he did, just because of his age. I'm not saying he's not gonna you know, fall off. He'll probably still have a great season, but guys like Morgan Riley that got overlooked kind of, um, I could see them being in the running. I say it every year because I just want it to happen. Uh, if Chris Letang doesn't get hurt, maybe Mike gets something. 
No. That probably won't happen this year. I think my no. all my hopes are gone for that. Yeah, I don't think Chris Letang's ever going to win a Norris at this point. If he hasn't won one yet, yeah. he's not winning one. But you do never know. But other than that, it's, it is the guys like Hedman or Burns that just get all the looks because they are the namesakes. But for all we hope, I'm going to go with Yossi as well. Or not go with Yossi. I'm going to agree with you on Yossi, but also add Morgan Riley into that mix still. Really? I think he can continue what he's done. And what makes you it. think he could be – do you think it's the scoring pedigree or do you think it, it helps with the level of the rest of the defense there this year? After adding players like Tyson Berry, after having going to have a full season with Jake Muzzin, do you think that's why you think? Because I, I don't think Morgan Riley will come anywhere close to it. I think it's going to be a good – I think he might be able to do it because it's – yeah, they added Tyson Berry and Jake Muzzin. But the rest of the guys are, you know, they're going to be new guys. Like, who am I thinking? Ben Harper is supposed to come in. Yeah, Martin Marishan's still there after a little while. But Cody Cece's coming in, and that's not what they're looking for. <laughs> but, I mean, I think Morgan Rye is going to stand out on that defense and really show that he is the best defenseman on that team and probably could be in the best defenseman in the league. Defensive-wise and offensive-wise, because he can continue his scoring touch as well. That's, you know, that's fair enough. So you're going Morgan Riley. Yeah. And I'm going Roman Yossi. That's the first one we're different on, so that's interesting. And I feel like we both took people that aren't going to even be offered. But, yeah. Well, no, they could. They could, I yeah. feel like that's why I'm picking them. I feel like yeah. Roman Yossi could. I, I can honestly say that I don't think Morgan Riley will. But, you know, to each their own, I, I think we both took people where I was going that aren't the Victor Hedman, the Eric Carlson, the Brent Burns. We didn't take the easy pick for this one. Right. Um, and I'm not going to take the easy one for this next one. Do you have something else to say about the Norris Trophy? This is completely off topic. We're going to jump back to Braden Point for a minute. I didn't know this. Braden Point is not expected to be ready for the start of the regular season. I mean, it happens in a week. I'm guessing he was. He had to have been training. Point, due, due to a hip injury, will not be ready until late October. Oh, so he's going to miss a month yep. due to an injury. Well, glad they signed him. Glad really the, glad they signed up. Glad everyone knew about that. All right. Well, jumping back in, uh, this next one, the Vezina, I'm also not going to take the popular pick. The popular pick is usually Andre Vasilevsky from Tampa Bay. Sergey Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky, who's now on Florida. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, who I think should be thought of, but he's not going to be, is Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. I'm gonna... He has another good season. He should, but he's probably not. So that's why mine, I, I'm between two right now. And I feel like one of them was really, really good last year, and one of them had a kind of a down year last year. It's between Ben Bishop and Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. And I think Connor Hellebuck will take it if he has one, if he has a better season. But if numbers are equal, Connor Hellebuck takes it simply because of the fact that you lose Jacob Truba on defense. You might lose Dustin Bufflin, who is the leader, de facto leader of that defense. And then they also lost, I can't, I'm drawing a blank, but they lost somebody else. Oh, Tyler Myers. Yeah. Another big, good, half-decent puck-moving defenseman. So you're really putting a lot on Josh Morrissey on the back end there. And while they have a really good forward core and a good core that will come back and help, I think if he has another good season like he did two years ago, that caliber season, I think he's a shoo-in for the Vesna. And I, I, nothing to, not to take anything away from Ben Bishop, I just think with Klingberg – and Haskin and down there, and the way yeah. that the rest of that team plays and how good the rest of that team's going to be, he's going to have a lot more help than Hellebuck, especially on the back end. Yeah, uh, Hellebuck also, Ben Bishop's backup, Kudobin, mm-hmm. you know, is a pretty steady, stout backup goalie. 
backup in Winnipeg is not going to get as much playing time as Kudobin is. Laurent Brassois. Brassois. Laurent Brassois. If that's even who they play, because they still have Eric Comrie as well, both names are probably not going to play as much as Kudobin will. So Hellebach's going to be getting game after game after game up there. I could see Hellebach being a shoo-in as well if he's able to play all those games and be just as steady. But the Vesna is always a hard one going in because you figure you got the top guys that are always going to get looks like Bobrovsky and now Vasilevsky. But you got to remember, there's still like these goalies down that aren't on the as great of teams. But if they can pull, you know, like say John Gibson can pull up the Ducks into doing something great, you could see him getting a good look because he's one of the league's better goaltenders, but just doesn't have the team around him to get some quality wins. Uh, Nashville's got Pekarene. He'll probably get the usual looks he does, which is nothing, even though he's falling off. UC Soros might even come in and steal the team, steal the steal the team right from him. So, and like you said, Flurry's a great choice. I don't see it going anywhere past the main guys again this year, and maybe Flurry as well. So, it's, uh, it's time for the Vegas Golden Knights to have some award winner on their team. <laughs> I mean, year three. Yeah, it's I'm, about time. No, and it's not to take anything away from. Was it the coach and GM both got coach and GM? Gerard Gallant yeah. and uh, George McPhee each got respectively and a year ago. Yeah. But it's time for one of their players to get something, I'd say. Yeah, so that's fair enough. Well, we were talking about coaches, so we might as well keep going with that. The Jack Adams, George McPhee, or not George McPhee, sorry, Gerard Gallant two years ago. Last year, Barry Trotz. This year, Rick Tockett. You know what? Yes. Rick Tockett. Think about why Barry Trotz won the Jack Adams Award last year. Because the team that he came in first year not only loses their best player, but we're not even close to the playoffs the year before. And he takes that team, and he makes the playoffs with them. Not only does he make the playoffs, he finishes higher than the Pittsburgh Penguins. He finishes higher than the Columbus Blue Jackets, who were thought to be in that top three. He finishes higher than the Carolina Hurricanes, who were really good last season. He puts this team in second place in the division. That's why he won. If the Coyotes make the playoffs as the third seed in the Pacific, we already talked about the fact that San Jose and Vegas are going to be really hard to get ahead of in that division. If he comes in third in that division, he'll win the Jack Adams, hands down, pretty easily. Unless some other coach, like if Anaheim makes the playoffs, if the Kings win the division, if if all of this, all these ifs, but I think the sure bet is Rick Tockett to win the Jack Adams award. It is a lot of ifs, and I'm going to agree with all of those ifs, that if Arizona does make noise and make the playoffs, it's hands down Rick Tockett. Outside of that, boy, I couldn't see it being that many other people. Unless the Blues make noise again with... Craig Berube. Thank you, Craig Berube. I couldn't see... It just makes sense, Rick Tockett taking it if... Obviously if. All of these are ifs. (laughs) If the Coyotes go in and make noise. So I'm going to agree with you on that one as well. Okay. We're going to have to go through after this and see how many we all agreed on because so far we've agreed on the all, Jack Adams. Say all but one so far. Who did you say would win the Vezina? I don't think I said anyone. Yeah. Uh, well, I just Who's going like, to win the Vezina? Off the top, Ben Bishop. Okay, so you have Bishop, I have Hellebuck. 
we differed on Norris, and then we each had the same color in Rocket Richard. So let's go to the two big ones, the two massive ones, and we're not going to vote on the. Why can't I think of it? The players voted. Uh, Ted uh, Lindsay. Thank you. We're not going to vote on the Ted Lindsay because we wouldn't be voting on the Ted Lindsay anyway. <laughs> the Art Ross Trophy winner for the most points in the regular season. To me, it's pretty cut and dry. It's going to be Connor McDavid. It's going to be his third one in four years. Kucherov last year, it wasn't. It was basically an apparition. It was. An you score 128 year. points. That's fantastic. You're not going to score 128 points again. So I think it's going to be pretty easily. It's going to be Connor McDavid easily winning that award again and scoring the most points in the regular season if healthy obviously all of this is if healthy right Connor mcdavid i would have to agree with we can remember two years ago taylor hall got his name in there if i'm not saying he would win it i'm saying he could get another nomination if the devils really take off with all these with all these new acquisitions and skilled and the new skill they're bringing in other outside of that it's probably going to be McDavid, just for the sheer fact of Connor McDavid and the way he's looked at throughout the league. So, the I think you mix, mixed up the Art Ross and the Hart. Taylor Hall won the Hart a couple years ago. Where are we on? Yes, I We're did. We're on the Art I, Ross, who's going to score the most points, which was Kucherov last year. I also Connor do that. McDavid in 18 and 17. I also do that all the time. Mix up the Art Ross and, and, and the, the Hart. Hart. I was oh, listening, yeah. I was like, he said... So, Taylor Hall, and I was so confused I was, for a second. I was like, um, okay. So okay. Co- so copy-paste everything I just said into my into your heart into my heart discussion. <laughs> so who wins the Art Ross? Most points. Okay, most points. Last year it was, it was, Mc- it was Kucherov, Kucherov. For two years before, the two, year, the two years before that was Connor McDavid. Right. Man, whatever I said, everything was going great today. Man, I'm f- my mind is fried right now. Uh, that's all right. But as for... <laughs> As for the Art Ross for most points, now nah, you'd stomp me. <laughs> I mean, you could say Kucherov, McKinnon, I could say Kucherov, Matthews, McKinnon. any of these guys. I'm going to go McKinnon. I think the Avalanche is supposed to have a very good year. And he's probably going to be the one that does, not does all the work, but is has a huge hand in getting them to where they're supposed to go this year. I could. I'm doing. This, that's gonna be my pick is McKinnon for the uh, Art Ross this year. Okay, so you have McKinnon for Art Ross. I have McDavid. Now the Art Ross. I'll remind you throughout the season is the most points. You might have to do that all season. Okay, so you were talking about is the heart, and you said again what McDavid and maybe Hall. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Hall can get a look. I'm just gonna stick. I'm sticking with McDavid though for reasons of He's Connor McDavid. McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have Taylor Hall anywhere near this conversation just because I feel like even though he did win it a couple years ago, I feel like his team a couple years ago was much worse than it is this year. Yeah. I think Blackwood is going to be a lot better than Corey Schneider or Kincaid were whenever they were going to the playoffs. I think their defense especially is a lot better with P.K. Subban and the couple of other guys that they added. And then they added Jack Hughes. They added Nikita Gusev. They added Wayne Simmons. This team is is a lot better, and Kyle Palmieri is a lot better this year than he was is going to be that year too. So mm-hmm. that's why I don't think I don't think Taylor Hall sniffs this conversation. Yeah, I think the winner of the Hart Trophy, that is the most valuable player voted on by writers, is going to be Austin Matthews. Okay, yeah, for that team that he's going to for that team that he's going to have around him as well. It is his turn pretty much to start getting looks from from the writers and awards like this. Yeah, I, and I said it earlier. If he's healthy through an entire season, 
he's going to put up the numbers that will garner that interest, especially because he plays in Toronto. And anybody who doesn't believe that playing in Toronto just ups your, you know, your <laughs> status. A status. Yeah. That's what I can't think of words today. It, it Anybody who doesn't think it ups your status a little bit playing in Toronto is completely wrong. And it does. And especially if he gets the C. If he gets the mm-hmm. captain, it's far and away way more in the news than anybody else. And I think somebody else that might have a chance, I honestly think Sidney Crosby, this is his best shot this year. Coming off the year they had last year, everybody's down on the Penguins. So if he can lead them back to the playoffs, if they find a way to win their division, I think he's a shoe-in. Otherwise, it's Austin Matthews. If, if Crosby and the Penguins win the division and Crosby dominates the way he did last year, then I think it should be him. Otherwise, it's going to be Austin Matthews hands down. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that entirely. I just know it might go down to a McDavid and Matthews kind of finish, which... It's something that I'm sure the league would love. So I mean, it'd be great for the league. Yeah. I'd be two Canadians as well. Uh, two, not Canadians, I mean like uh, Canadian teams. Yeah, the MVP and two Canadian teams. I'm not sure how much they would like that, especially with the NHL, or not the NHL, the um, American TV agreement coming up in a couple of years with an all-Canadian team finalists for Hart, but... You know, I don't think it's going to matter too much. Yeah, the American, it's not going to influence this at all. No. Yeah, <laughs> I know the American deal is coming up, but that's going to make money, and apparently it is or isn't supposed to affect the cap. I think they said it's not supposed to. That's. I don't. It it should because that should count as yeah. revenue. Yeah, I just forget how it all. Splits. That should count as revenue. The new Seattle t- expansion team their dues or whatever they're paying to get in the league that should count as revenue too yeah but i don't believe the seattle i think the, the seattle one doesn't isn't going to count it, toward the capital I, I believe i heard that it doesn't yeah which it should totally should but so, that's the way the dice rolls i guess yeah now that we finished our NHL award predictions let's finish off the show with the return of, of one of our you know people love this segment Horwat, this is your segment you love it so we're gonna finish the show with the return of our extremely fun segment Red lines. Oh, this is just too good. Mystery, mystery, read all about it. That escalated quickly. I could do this all day. Let's dig into it. So first, um, the first one is, it's a pretty fun one. It's, this guy on Twitter, or on Reddit, his name is Ethan. He wrote a scouting report for every player in the NHL. Every player. How old is this Ethan? Do you know? No. He said it's a project he's been working on for a year now. It's hotly, ho- hockeyatlas.net. I picked. I looked at it for a minute to see what kind of... Like how in-depth he got? It's Yeah, and it's pretty in-depth. Every wait, every player in the NHL. Once I pull it up, I will say, give, "Okay, name me a player." Name you a player? Just I don't give any player. Dominic Simone. Okay, so we're, it starts off. You you go and you go to bring me to hockey, Alice. It shows you a, just a map of America, of the United States and Canada. Okay, and all the teams like where they are. Yeah, click on the Penguins for Dominic Simone, and then it's just a list of players. I have to Find him. There he is, Dominic Simone at the very bottom. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. Last updated, August 20, 2019. A strong scorer at the AHL level and in the Czech Republic, Dominic Simone finally broke into the NHL as a full-timer, as a 24-year-old. It's got, like, a good little bio on him, has all of his stats. Most of them, if not all of them, I'm sure, have a little video to go with it. The one I looked at was, the one I looked at before was Patrick Hornquist, because mm. he's not really a prospect anymore. He doesn't really need a scouting report. Yeah. But it starts off with a little bio of he's been the thorn in the side of the Eastern Conference for a couple years now. And then his video is the one of his goal in the 2017 Stanley Cup final. So it goes into depth on everyone in the NHL. So this was one kid that did this, or one person. I don't know how old this guy is. So this was one person that did all this? Yeah. Props to you, man. That's a lot of at least to that. At least he doesn't mention anyone else as to helping him, but it's just... Ethan, I'm the founder and head scout of HockeyAtlas.net. I'm sure he has had help. I would, I would imagine. But he is the so, head and is the one that has put it out there, and it's impressive. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. He went down through every NHL player because you know the sites like HockeyDB, the sites like Hockey Reference, and what other one am I thinking of? Cap Friendly. There's armies of people working on this so if this was him or if this was even him and a group of let's say 10 people that's extremely impressive especially through just one year yeah and they also this better be your full-time job because if this is your hobby holy crap how much time do you have to this to yeah. do your hobby this man said he also created a patreon to help because they're going to start getting actual prospects that are in their like in the team system put in so they have a lot more work on it so they're clearly not done I'm just going to pull up one more for good fun. Eric Stahl, because I just went to Minnesota. And it pulls up a bunch of different links as you do it. Or not like not like spam links, but it's every other player has like their own little link. Okay. Um, last updated, August 20. After his disastrous tenure as a rental for the New York Rangers, Eric Stahl looked like he had, had run out of gas. He scored below 40 points for the first time since his rookie season and had to make a pretty sizable, take a pretty sizable pay cut for the Wild. And like I said, full bio. Yeah. And then full stats, full like full video, and it's a pretty impressive site. So if you have the time and want to just look at random players that's not on Hockey Reference or Elite Prospects even, this is a pretty fun site. I for, I completely forgot Eric Stahl played for the Rangers. Yep. Yeah. Didn't we all? Yeah. So what was that website again? Just say it one more time for people. It's HockeyAtlas.net. I'm sure... I now that I see it and know it, I'll probably be using it. Okay, well, that's cool. No, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, congrats to that, dude. That's a lot of commitment that I would not have had over an entire year to put every player in, especially like after the draft, and then at the beginning of the season, there's a bunch of random players that just come up. Yeah. So I know that's it's not that in depth. It's kind of it kind of is who's on the team, but yeah. it's still that's a lot it has of players. A little bit of information. That's yeah, that's a lot of players. Thirty-one teams, at least twenty-five players a team. So yeah do the math yourself because i'm not going to do it for you <laughs> what, what do we got next um pavel Bure's 2000 2001 season was one of the craziest performances of all time in that season he played with the florida panthers accumulated 92 points do you know who was do you know how many points the second player on that team had on the 2001 2002 florida panthers 2000 2001 2000 2001 florida panthers yes oh, excuse me because <laughs> that would really help me <laughs> Um, the second most points. Am I guessing a number or am I guessing who? Guess a number, not who, because it's Victor Kozlov. Yeah, I would not have gotten yeah. Victor Kozlov. He probably scored 38. 37? All right. I'll give you that. 
but Pavel Bure in 82 games had 59 goals and 33 assists. In an in the year 2000 2001, that was those were goalie. Those, that was a goalie era, pretty much. Yeah, that was the dead puck era. So him scoring 92 points, let alone 59 goals, uh, almost 60 is honestly really impressive on that team as well. Yeah, because God bless the Florida Panthers. They will. Ne- <laughs> They usually never have good teams, but at least this year they have a chance. Yeah. So that's just a nice little fun headline of to take a look back at. Pavel yeah. Burry is one of the most underrated and underappreciated players in the history of the game. Underrated superstars too. Yeah. Just think about the fact that he should be in a he should be in a league with the superstars. Yeah. So. Next up we have who is a play but yeah, who is a player that seems to have been completely forgotten about? player that has completely been forgotten about does he have to be in the nhl now uh not necessarily because the ones dadsuk pavel dadsuk people really forget how good dadsuk is and he's still playing in the khl i want to find this headline again and look at some of the comments because the first few that also Ilya kovachuk sorry yeah but like the first few that i have on here there's tim Connolly, jeff cowan like that's just some of the names that were the first uh couple of comments yeah but I would just think back, like, I'm too, I know I remember Rob, Robert Lang was one on there. Robert Lang. But that's just a fun one that I could just dig through. People always seem to forget about Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg. Nobody ever really, like, remembers good Avalanche players. <laughs> yeah. What players need to All right. Who else do we have? Uh, Jaguar. Oh, yeah, Jason Jaguar was really good. Ryan Miller. A lot of people forget. Like I forgot Ryan Miller was on the Anaheim Ducks until I saw him on their Snapchat or on their Instagram story, and I was like, "Oh, that's right, he's still playing." But yeah, he was really good when he was with the Sabers. Yeah, uh, someone mentioned it always seems to be goalies that get forgotten the most. Which yeah, there's a lot of turnover in goalies, yeah, especially like, at the top. Like think Victor Fast was bad. What well, had that fire start at yeah, one point? Like yeah, but so did Peter Budai at one point, and then like. A lot of these guys have a really good start to a season, and they're not amazing. Or even, if not even the start to a season, but the Ottawa Senators at one point, Andrew Hammond. Oh, the Hamburglar. Yep. He's in the league somewhere He's still. in the AHL. I'm pretty sure he's still he's in, in the, the minors. Ugly, I should say. <laughs> yeah. But Owen Nolan, like you got these great yeah. guys are just forgotten about. So that was a fun little thing to flip through. Oh, uh, biggest one of them all, really, honestly, when I think about it, People really forget, just because of how good he is in the booth and how good he is for NBC, Jeremy Roenick was amazing at hockey. Monster player, yeah. And it's you almost forget that the other one in the booth, I can't remember his name, Eddie Olchek was a player. Yeah. Won a cup. Yes. And uh, had a pretty solid career. Not so great of a coaching career. Thanks, bud. But... Thanks. Yeah. But it's just interesting that he that these guys that are in the booths had careers. Oh, the one that always makes me laugh, Darren Pang, was a goalie at the height of five foot something. Darren Pang? Darren Pang. P-E-N-G. You ever see Darren Pang? No, I've never seen Darren Pang. I can't really? say that I have. If I, I'll show you later, you will uh, yeah, recognize. That's, we can yeah do that later. But my last one is my last one. Yes, my last one is how good was Nick Na- Rick Nash really? 
Vic Nash. <laughs> Fat Rick. Fat Rick. When he um, was on the Blue Jackets, to answer this man's question, oh, he was a stellar player. Uh, he was an okay player. It, at, not... In Columbus, he's the, still their leading. He's still their uh, highest point getter. Who? Wait, before you keep going with the highest point getter thing, who are you talking about? Rick Nash. No, I know who you're talking <laughs> about. Tell me the franchise that you're talking about. Columbus Blue Jackets. Say it again for the people in the back. Oh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes, it's not... I mean, it's impressive, but it's still like... That's like me saying, do you know who the leading scorer for the Vegas Golden Knights is? It's not really... It doesn't mean that much. They haven't had that many good players. So serviceably good Rick Nash. Not to take anything away, he was a fantastic NHL player. He was a good professional hockey player. But let's not make him out to be a legend. Let's not build the statue yet. It, it's it's Rick Nash. <laughs> No, I'm. I mean, I'm not saying that he was, you know, phenomenal his whole career. I'm saying when he was in Columbus, he was better. Definitely destined to be one of the better players in the league. The New York trade did not help him. I will say that. That is when he no. fell off. But for his nine years he spent in Columbus, being the captain of the team, for 674 games, 547 points is not something to just scoff at, really. Granted, the minus 71 might be something to scoff at, but that. Will have something to do with the team that he was on. Yeah, I mean his first two seasons, the O in two thousand three, two thousand four, he was a minus twenty seven and a minus thirty five respectively. But I mean Crosby's rookie season, he had a hundred points and a hundred penalty minutes. We see where that's gotten him. Did you just try to compare Crosby to Rick Nash in a very vague sense of the term? In a still. very vague sense, in a very different way. Saying how players obviously change, teams obviously change, and Rick Nash did lead the league in goals for in his second season while being at minus thirty-five. <laughs> That's fair. He obviously could score points. Yeah, so he could score goals, I should say. So I'm 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 reading through and counting here. I I believe there's three forty-goal seasons. Just nothing to scoff at at all. The yes. guy finished with over a thousand games and over eight hundred points. That's a lot. If, if you're new to this whole hockey thing, that's a lot of points. So I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he was bad. I'm just saying watch what adjectives we use because great, in, in the NHL sense of the term, he was a good player. He was a – I would say he had great seasons. I would not say he's a great player. I would not say he's an elite player. Fair. But I'm, I, that, that's just me. I, would, I, just, I think, not to disrespect him, he was the first overall pick in the 2002 draft. But yeah, he was a really good player, really good professional. He played that many years in the NHL. I'm trying to count him up real quick, too. I was just reading the rest of it. But the most I got out of it was, the question was just straight, how good was Rick Nash? And I said, and I would just think, for the time, at his time in Columbus... Um, he was among, probably honestly, among the league's best, and that's definitely the way people looked at him at the time. Because I can remember when that trade happened, it seemed like it was going to be the biggest deal that New York has had. He was going to, he was supposed to come over to New York and be, you know, Messier essentially. But obviously, that didn't pan out, and that's just the way the tide turns. But for Columbus, he was, he's probably still the franchise player. I was about to say he's an all-time great Columbus Blue Jacket. But that sentence itself should not be used in the English language. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he went to New York and he kind of crapped the bed. So that kind of ruins a lot of people's view of him, especially 
considering the fact that after he went to New York, he had, let me see here, I was I was on the right one. He had one season of, two seasons of more than 40 points. He had one 69-point season, which is pretty good, nice. But other than that, all of his points were under 40. And he missed a lot of games because he was injured all the time. So how good was he? He was pretty good. That's what I'll say. He was pretty good. Not great. No, but for the bad years of the Columbus Blue Jackets, he was the shining star. He was one of the top players in the league for a little while. And I could say, yes, he was definitely pretty good for his time. But I think just the fall off really hurt him. Mm-hmm. But, you know. He was essentially what Patrick Line might turn out to be. An elite goal scorer, but somebody who's highest career points was 79 i get he was playing in the dead puck era as well he was playing at the end of it yeah he also had nobody else so yeah pretty good that's my final assessment essentially 41 goals in the year 2003 2004 to lead the league is it's pretty stellar yes um that's the last i had of it plus i mean as you say thick nash he was a 6'4 211 pound boy yeah that brompton ontario product was massive big dude so yeah Big dude who could skate like the wind for a little while, but but no, no, all the best to him. He's retired now. Is it officially retired? Yes, he officially retired last year. Cool. I didn't know. It was, all right. Cool. Yep. But that'll wrap that up. Yep. That is the end of our red line segment. That is the end of this week's episode of the Fifth Line. You can listen to the Fifth Line on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, just by searching the Fifth Line. Follow us on Twitter at the Fifth Line One or on Instagram at the Fifth Line Show. You can follow Horwat at, and I'm going to do it right this time, not underscore Nick underscore Horwat, or is. at me, or me, follow me, at Nick underscore Berlansky. See, I was too focused on getting yours right. It's all right, I got man. mine wrong. But we will be back next week for part two. This was part one. We'll be back next week for part two of our season preview for the 2019-2020 NHL season. We're going to have power rankings, the whole shebang, in and out, who's in, who's out. It's going to be a fun week, and we are just barely over a week away from the start of the NHL season. We'll see you guys next week.